Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of Evanston. This Sunday's message was given by First Pres Interim Senior Pastor, Reverend Dr. Tassie Green. If you'd like more information about First Presbyterian Church of Evanston, please visit firstpresevanston.org. Our scripture readings today are from Genesis chapter 50, verses 24 and 25, and from Exodus chapter 1, verses 8 through 20 which you will find in the Old Testament section of our Pew Bibles on pages 49 and 50 or on screen. Please join me in a prayer for illumination. Lord, as we immerse ourselves in this history of your people, help us to understand it as the story of our people, understanding what it means to be a people of God still today. Amen. Genesis 50, verse 24. Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die, but God will surely come to you and bring you up out of this land, to the land that he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. So Joseph made the Israelites swear, saying, When God comes to you, you shall carry up my bones from here. Exodus 1, verse 8. Now a new king arose over Egypt who did not know Joseph. He said to his people, Look, The Israelite people are more numerous and more powerful than we. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, or they will increase, and in the event of war, join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. Therefore, they set taskmasters over them to oppress them with forced labor. They built supply cities, Python and Ramesses, for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread, so that the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites. The Egyptians became ruthless in imposing tasks on the Israelites and made their lives bitter with hard service in mortar and brick and in every kind of field labor. They were ruthless in all the tasks that they imposed on them. The king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Shipra and the other Pua, when you act as midwives to the Hebrew women and see them on the birthstool, if it is a boy, kill him, but if it is a girl, she shall live. But the midwives feared God They did not do as the king of Egypt commanded, but they left the boys live. So the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this and allowed the boys to live? The midwives said to Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwife comes to them. So God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and became very strong. This is the word of the Lord. We are launching into a new sermon series that will take us through the fall, looking at the Exodus. Our lectionary that we use across denominations guides us every three years into these amazing stories. And I didn't want us to miss the possibility of learning along with the Israelites as God takes them from an enslaved people, leads them on a journey towards becoming a free people who freely choose to love and worship their God. And so we'll learn along with them in these next weeks. Now, as we look at their story, we may also see how it becomes our story. Sometimes when we look at our stories, we say, now, if this was a movie or if this was a novel, there would be an incredible plot twist right here, and everything would be resolved in just 47 minutes if it was on TV. But our own lives don't always work that neatly or in such short time period. 
if that is the case with you as it is with me, then the Israelites are great traveling partners because it takes a long, long time for them to see God at work, to see God's will and work revealed. But it doesn't mean God isn't working. So let's look more closely at this story. The Israelites are indeed living out a dangerous story and they need a new story and God is planning to give them one, but not quite yet. It takes a while for God to work out God's plan to get all the people and pieces in place. This story is told and retold in the Bible so that God's people can take heart We can remember and turn to our God as the Israelites did, in good times and in bad. First, we need to look carefully at their old story, which we see in the first few chapters of Exodus. As we look at their old story, we say, we say along with them, what got them there? Well, they were enslaved. So it wasn't all their own choosing. In fact, none of it was except for way back when, and we'll hear about that in a moment. They are enslaved, but they also, we can see along with them that God helps them become brave. God helps them release their fear. God asks them to take an active part in their being freed. We look back before we look forward, and so we'll look at three aspects of their experience to learn along with them. Do you remember your lessons from Bible school, Sunday school? Do you remember way back when? When the people went with Joseph to Israel in order to avoid a famine? Actually, they didn't go with Joseph. Do you remember these lessons? Joseph was already there. God had put him into place. Read Genesis and check it out. It's a great story. Joseph was waiting for them as Pharaoh's assistant to help with famine in the land. In solving one problem of the famine though, the Israelites lived into another problem. God's blessing of the people having them multiply and be fruitful was misunderstood as a threat to Egyptian society. And it leads to enslavement and harsh treatment. In Exodus 1.12, what we read was, the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and worked them ruthlessly. God had blessed them to be a blessing, not only for themselves, but for the entire world. That's what God told Abraham. But the Egyptian king saw them as a threat. In this moment, God's people face a situation that is getting worse and worse in the moment. For years, actually, to the point where the Bible describes it as misery, the misery of God's people. But that doesn't change the reality of God's blessing. So my first point is this, God is faithful. God is keeping God's promises even when they or we cannot see it yet. Even when something else is going wrong, even in the presence of evil, God doesn't promise us an easy trouble-free life. Sometimes I hear Christians who are struggling with very real problems say, why me, why me? I've tried to follow God all these years, why me? And I have to say with great compassion, you know, if we read scripture, God doesn't promise us 
an easy, trouble-free life. What does God promise us in Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit to be with us in the midst of the struggle, in the midst of the suffering? So the Israelites, if they compare their former situation under Joseph, being held and taken care of during the famine to this new threat under Pharaoh, it doesn't look good. It looks like this story is going in a bad direction. It's hard to remember that Pharaoh is not a threat to God. In the book, Praying with Moses, Eugene Peterson, who wrote the message, wrote this, evil intentions can bring human suffering, but they cannot thwart God's providence because God is not bound by human reality. Last week, some of you were at the picnic on the, at the beach. It was a wonderful time. And I was talking with one of the members about my first job after college. It was at a marketing firm. I worked for a difficult boss who was about six, seven, and looked like an ogre. And so in my, na- in my active imagination, I nicknamed him Big Bad Bob. And I would say to myself, God is bigger than Big Bad Bob. God is bigger than Big Bad Bob. And I'd have to remind myself that to keep hope alive until I could find a new job and quit. Have you ever had that experience? So when we look in scriptures along with the Israelites, we learn that God is faithful, God is keeping God's promises even when we cannot see it yet. So point number two, even as the Hebrew circumstances changed for the worse, they still had choices. What could they control in their lives? Their attitudes, their actions, their resistance. We heard that the midwives modeled creative thinking and active resistance to Pharaoh. And so did Moses' mom, Jochbed, and Moses' sister, Miriam. I encourage you to keep reading in the story this week. These brave women risk everything to protect the Hebrew babies, including Moses. I want to show you a slide. This is from one of the oldest synagogues in the world called Dura Europis. And it is a painting of the Hebrew women, of these midwives assisting in births, saving the Hebrew babies. It's a beautiful image, uplifting the role of women in God's story. Did you notice in the passage that the midwives are named by name? We know that their names are Shipra and Pua, but whose name don't we know? Pharaoh. He thought he was the mightiest person around, and we don't even know his name. Look at that. There's been a whole movie created called Exodus Patterns of Evidence to explore who exactly might this Pharaoh have been. But the truth is, we don't actually know for sure. So who matters more in God's story, these women? Or the man who tries to stop them unsuccessfully? Scripture teaches us to look past our circumstances, to our choices, And when we do, God gives us courage and creativity and blesses our efforts and those around us. Yes, those midwives were also enslaved. They were in a terrible situation. Yet scripture tells us they made God honoring choices and God blessed them. And yes, it's true. The story gets worse before it gets better. We know that. Pharaoh eventually works around them, but not until after they saved countless babies. 
Shipra and Pua did what was needed. The midwives didn't know it yet, but their resistance would lead to redemption. Their resistance was that first step toward freedom, even as the Israelite circumstances changed for the worse. Misery grabbed hold. Still, they trusted God. They considered, what can we control? What can we do? What is the good right before us? How can we join God's team of unlikely rescuers? See, we're not the first or the last believers in history to struggle with these questions. Have you heard of a mountain town in, of, called Le Chambon in France? It's one of the most awe-inspiring stories of World War II. It's the little-known rescue of Jews. It occurred in Le Chambon and its surrounding villages. And it's not just for the courage and devotion of the Christians that they displayed while protecting thousands of Jews, but it's also for their humility. Together, in the face of Nazi annihilation, they provided refuge in their homes and in their farms for anyone who fled there, regardless of who they were, where they came from. They were following their own long history of persecution, and they wanted to comfort others. They were Huguenots. They chose to protect the Jews, who they called their fellow people of God. And so they were led by their pastors, Andre Trochme and Edward Thais, who preached tolerance, pacifism, and spiritual resistance. The people were willing to face extreme danger, and they felt that it was the right thing to do. They did it without hesitation, and they said at the end that they would do it again even at high cost to themselves. The story is highlighted by a Bible verse which is engraved over the entrance to their 400-year-old Protestant church that says this, Aimez-vous les uns les autres, which translated may be familiar to you, love one another. On June 23, 1940, the pastors Trachme and Theus ad addressed their parishioners. They said this, we face powerful pressures on ourselves and our families, pressures to force us to cave in to this totalitarian ideology. If the ideology cannot subjugate our souls, it will try to make us cave in with our bodies. The duty of Christians is to resist the violence directed at our conscience and use the weapons of the Holy Spirit. They said, we will resist when the enemies demand that we act in ways that go against the teaching of the gospel. We'll resist without fear, without pride, and without hatred. The pastor's sermon was the beginning of a larger movement. Actually, a dozen neighboring villages and churches decided to join in, and aid organizations like the Swiss Red Cross were inside the French camps and, with parents' permission, were able to spirit children out of the camps and into the countryside on their way to Switzerland, some 190 miles away. Sadly, most of the children would never see their families again. And in 1942, the Nazis took over all of France. That escape route was closed. And the family said, well, here we have all these children. We're going to take them into our homes. We're going to educate them. They can join in our winter sports teams and our summer river races. They will become parts of our family. 
And here's a slide of some of the children that were saved in Le Chambon. In 1943, in July, it got even worse. The pastor was captured, sent into exile. Many local leaders were captured and murdered, yet other people kept at it, kept the channel open, taking people to freedom in Switzerland. And in 1988, Pastor Trockme and all the local residents were honored by Yad Vashem, the Holocaust Institute in Jerusalem. The title was given to them, Righteous Among the Nations. And their plaque says this, for coming to the aid of the Jews during the German occupation, obeying their conscience and accomplishing the divine instruction, you will love your neighbor as yourself. They joined God's, God's team of unlikely rescuers. So today, you might feel that you are traveling your own dangerous, curvy road where you can't see what's next. You may feel like you are in tough circumstances. You can ask the same question. What can we control? What can we do? What is the good right before us? How can we join in God's team? What would it look like for us? So my third point, you can never tell what will grow from your obedience. Others are watching. The midwives modeled hope and resistance. And who was watching? Miriam, Moses' sister. And so she became bold. Ever notice in this story that it was the women who saved the day? Pharaoh totally underestimated them, even in his uh, promise or even in his proclamation that only the boys should be killed. It was the women and girls who saved the day in this story. Pharaoh is the tyrant. He missed it all. He doesn't get the last word. We don't even remember his name. How's that for a story? And what happened next was better. Miriam didn't miss it. She was watching. She followed Moses' basket. As the story tells us, it floated down the river. She chased it and was there when Pharaoh's daughter found it and made a very clever offer to find a mother, a nursemaid, to take care of Moses, who turned out to be Moses' own mother. See how it's amazing what can happen when we're watching others be bold? the ideas, the way the Holy Spirit can work. Moses' own mother was able to help him grow into be a man of God. And then what happened next? Better and better. Pharaoh's daughter saves and rescues and trains the future rescuer of God's people. He grows up safely in God's household. He has more resources, more access to leadership than he would have in his own original situation. Now, yes, the Israelite people had to endure for more time, for almost 40 years, waiting for God to take that next step, for Moses to grow. But that next step turned out to be through Moses and Miriam and Aaron and others. Moses' family. God is going to send all the Israelites on a journey of discovery in the wilderness, but not yet. And so we never know where God is at work behind the scenes. There's no quick fix here in the Bible, or for us either. 
That's a realistic part of this story as we pray, and we wish it would be all solved in those 48 minutes. Scripture models that for us. Just when hope seems lost, God plants the seeds of deliverance, waters them, and they grow into redemption. Just what Pharaoh feared most, the Israelites did become a greater threat, but from within, not because they allied with an enemy. God didn't need an army to come in. God sent an unlikely combination of people They fought God's battle from within with different weapons, by giving hope, by helping people continue on and survive in faith. Each was willing to take the next step of obedience and to take the risk that God placed before them, to dare greatly for what they knew was right and good, even if it was at cost to themselves. C.S. Lewis wrote, we're not necessarily doubting that God will do the best for us. We're wondering how painful that best might be. That rings true, doesn't it? We might need to risk to actually sacrifice, to feel the pain of what it takes to move towards God's best for ourselves and others, and to give other people hope in their difficult circumstances. So first, Prez, you are at a curve in the road, a turning point. You're in a time of transition that I have joined you in between what came before and God's good future for you. You might be feeling the stress and anxiety of so much change. You can feel it together. We can talk through it. We can work through it. You might feel that you need a new story. And as we learn from scripture, God is in the business of giving us new stories. And in my time with you, which will last perhaps 18 to 24 months as we work through transition, we'll look at your story, what your old story is, to see ways that we might be tempted to stick to the status quo, to take the safe route, instead of risking ask, acting as a braver church. We'll need to examine what got us here, where we are, to understand together how God is challenging us to move forward, to move outwards, even asking, how can we got, join God's team of unlikely rescuers? Now, you may remember that in August is a bad month for hurricanes. In August 2015, Hurricane Katrina hit Louisiana. In August 2017, Hurricane Harvey hit Texas. Did you ever hear of Mac Mackinbell? He's known in Houston as Mattress Mac. This is his logo. He's quite a personality. Wears a mattress in his commercials, does all kinds of crazy things. But he believes in lending hope in difficult circumstances, using what he has. To start with, it was a couple mattress stores and delivery trucks. So he sent those trucks throughout Dallas to rescue people from the flooding in their homes. And then during both disasters, he opened his stores and let people stay on the mattresses, on the selling floor, to use the bathrooms and the showers. And he even has a restaurant And I'll note, it was a time when one of the largest churches in the U.S. said no, turned people away. He opened his stores again and again in 2019, in 2021, when cold hit Texas, big storms hit. 
Max said this, I'm half capitalist, half social worker. I can't let my people drown or freeze. It's so easy to open the doors. Let them in, take care of them. Just know that people have hope for them. He said, I'm a practicing Catholic and I think I should practice what I preach. We'll just sell around them. Mac chooses time and time again to join God's team of unlikely rescuers. So what is our next step as a church? I have to show this slide. You may know that during VBS recently, somebody accidentally set off the fire alarm. And Evanston's finest, the firemen came rushing over to help our children, our volunteers. They were ready at a moment's notice. Thankfully, all we got out of it was a fire drill. Everybody was safe at Raymond Park. But it made me think about us and our local heroes. How can we be one of them? Who is God calling us anew to help right here near Evanston, right here on this block? My questions as a transitional minister are always going to be, who are we? Who are our neighbors? How do those fit together? And who is God calling us to be? And what is God calling us to do next? I don't actually know the answers. I don't have them up my sleeve. I don't know you or your situation or your town well enough. So we will live into these questions over the next years. It takes bravery and risk to trust in our faithful God who's at work, even over decades, even in tough circumstances. We can never tell what will grow from the seed of our obedience, who might be watching, who might join God's team of unlikely rescuers because of watching us and how we trust our faithful God, how we step out in hope. As we read the Bible stories, we learn that in God's way, God faithfully sends who? God sends two midwives, a baby, a big sister, a Hebrew mother and daughter team, a king's daughter, plus a region in France called Le Chambon, and a mattress salesman. And God sends us. Are we ready to join in? Amen.